We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of Best of Everything with Michaela Bennett. Michaela gets you up to date on all the latest news and storylines from all of our shows on KCSN. Whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, KU, K-State, Mizzou, Sporting KC, or the KC Current, Michaela has you covered. Best of Everything is proudly presented by Charlie Hustle, your go-to when needing some new gear for any of your favorite local teams. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything from the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network of 2022. And now, the latest episode of Best of Everything. This is the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle, and I am your host, Michaela Bennett. Chiefs are on a bye week this week, but that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about. And a lot of people are talking about the infamous snow globe play, as people are calling it. The play where the Chiefs ring around the rosy against the Raiders and then broke and went about their business. And on the breakdown this week, Matt Castle sits down to talk about exactly this play and why the Chiefs ran it and how it really impacts the Chiefs, who they're playing going forward. Now, what do defenses have to worry about whenever they're facing the Chiefs because they know the Chiefs have plays like this? Just explain to people why, you know, what advantages gave the Chiefs kind of running this ring around the rosy huddle and why it throws the defense off. Well, again, uh, everything that you do defensively, right, you're adjusting to what they're doing formationally. You're trying to get set up, and there's communication that takes place. So now all of a sudden you see these guys, including the offensive linemen, going around a circle, and they break in unison, which I loved it. And then not only that, but when you look at the formation, you got Jarek McKinnon at the quarterback position. you got Kadarius Toney split to his right. Uh, right there and then you've got Travis Kelsey right there and then at the halfback position behind Jared Kinnon you've got Patrick Mahomes so there's so many things that this defense has to digest in this formation and then not only that when they snap the ball they do it on a quick count and it's that fake jet sweep to Kadarius Tony. and as they come out right you've got Kelsey lead blocking so it looks like it's going to be this speed option and McKinnon is able to pitch the ball and an option pitch out to Mahomes in which he pushes out to the outside 
But the beautiful part about it is it's not even going that way. They're, they're setting this screen up for Kadarius Tony, who just came off the play fake. Everything's telling the defense to run towards Mahomes, and they throw it back across the field with guys out in front for an outstanding play. I mean, this should have been a touchdown. I know we've got we got a holding call here on Creed, but that shouldn't have been a holding call. I just think he dominated that DB at the line of scrimmage. And if anything, you know, it might might be a little uh, – you shouldn't have used that much force throwing him to the ground. But, I mean, I just love the play design. I love what took place before the snap it, because there's so many things that, the like I said, the defense has to digest before it even takes place. Yeah, and I agree. I think that was – a call that did not need to be made. I thought it was it was a clean block from Creed. Um, unfortunately, wiped out this beautiful play. But uh, but you also look at it when when you look at the speed option side of this. This might be something the Chiefs come back to because that was there. If McKinnon keeps it, he's got Kelsey blocking out in front. It's really one on one with him in the safety. He gets the first down easily and and has a has a good chance to score here. Or even if that safety comes down hard, pitches it to Mahomes and Mahomes walks in. So we may see something like this again come playoff time, right? Uh, you've got to. I mean, like you said, it's set up beautifully right here because you've got Kelsey out on the lead block. There's one defender right there, and he's going to go get the first down, or he's going to pitch it to Mahomes and able to go get the first down. So again, I have a lot of people ask me why would they show that play in the last week of the season against the Raiders when it isn't very mean? Why wouldn't they save that play? Well, a lot of times offensively you have practiced the play and you're setting something else up for down the road because they now have this formation. They saw this look. You can kind of see how the defense reacted and they can set something else up off of it. In addition to that, the defenses that are going to go and play this team in the playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're going to be looking at this saying, well, we've got to prepare. And now they've got to spend a little bit extra time, you know, in practice taking away from everything else that the Chiefs do. So you give them one more thing that they have to think about. So that's why I think that they did it, and I, I love the execution of it. Well, the Chiefs definitely had fun in that one. And on Ain't No Seats this week, the guys sit down and talk to Landon Lucas, former Kansas basketball star, about his time as a Jayhawk and Allen Fieldhouse, most specifically, which we know how important home field advantage is in any sport. But for the Jayhawks and Allen Fieldhouse, it's just there's something about it that kind of puts a little bit of fear in the visiting team. And Landon Lucas sits down and talks about what it is about Allen Fieldhouse that really just makes that home environment so deep and also just really intimidates the visiting team. Yeah, so obviously Allen Fieldhouse is a magical place. Um, and I just wanted to know, like, from a player standpoint, like when you played at KU, was there ever a time where you, like, you? I guess you felt, like, down on the team or you thought there was a chance they might lose, or did you always feel comfortable in that building? You know, I always felt pretty comfortable. And, and the story that I tell people a lot is that, you know, with the home and home in Big 12, you get a chance to play every team twice a year. And it's crazy how often a team feels like a completely different team in Allen Fieldhouse than it did on the road. I mean, it, it almost feels like your matchup just – he gets fatigued a little quicker. He doesn't feel as strong as he does. Uh, you just feel bigger than them all the time. I mean, it's it almost feels like you're playing a completely different team in Allen Fieldhouse. And then you put on top of that the fact that no – no matter how the game is going, you always feel like, okay, we're going to win this. Um, it, it's a shock win 
that it doesn't go your way. And that's only happened to me a few times in Allen Fieldhouse. But, mm -hmm. you know, no matter what the game was, it just always felt like, okay, you know, we're down or things aren't going our way, but we're going to come back and win. And I think last night you saw, you know, that long stretch of felt like hours in real time of no baskets. <laughs> and yet they ended up coming back at the end and, and winning it. Um, it just gives you that confidence. And I'm sure it takes a ton of confidence from other teams. It has to just based off of, you know, my experience playing against those teams. Yeah. And I mean, both, both big 12 games so far at home have been nail biters. K you had to come from behind mm -hmm. and obviously you want to win comfortably, but those are almost more fun for me. Cause you know, the field house is going to come alive and just you talking about um, the field house where people would kind of crumble, like thinking of two games you played in would be the OU game. Um, mm -hmm. The three overtime game where dudes are hitting the backboard on free throws for OU I think the same thing with West Virginia and me and Ryan have talked about this all the time. I feel like no one ever hits clutch shots late in Allen Fieldhouse. Mm -hmm. Like they're complete bricks last night. They had a chance to tie it late and it was an air ball, I think, but mm -hmm. I guess just touch on why Allen Fieldhouse is so special. And it's just, it feels like there's like ghost in there. Well, and yeah. actually I had, I wanted to say this, like, do you, can you sense kind of on what B turn saying? Can you sense, I felt like last night, I think it was after Jalen's three, Mm -hmm. Can you sense when the building has all of a sudden – you can tell OU was starting to dribble a little differently and they were a little yeah, more yeah, tight. Yeah. Like, can you as a player sense that as like, okay, these guys are officially shook, now's the yeah. time we we pounce? I, I still can as a fan watching on TV. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just crazy how how you you notice it. And it's from the beginning. I mean, while, while we're going through warm-ups and stuff, I remember, you know, you could just kind of feel it from the other team that they know that – they're going to be lucky to even keep this close. And then once they do, it almost feels like they're just waiting for that momentum shift, that shift. And then once it comes, it's just like, all right, here we go again. You know, and um, yeah. you could just see it in them. You can see how um, their shots change. You know, as you said, it's, it's tough to make cl clutch shots for them. They start making mistakes um, and then it just goes downhill. And um, I think it's just a testament to the fans um, and then just the history of it, I, I feel like even the other team pulling up to the, the field house, they just know like, all right, this is going to be hell yeah. for us to try to get a win in here. Usually when it goes downhill, it doesn't get much better for the visiting team. But something that is hopefully going uphill now is the Mizzou Tigers offense. Now that they have an offensive coordinator and everyone kind of was hoping for it, was, you know, fighting for it. Uh, all the fans, at least, as they were, love to point fingers at Eli Drinkwitz this past year and say, hey, you need an offensive coordinator. Okay, he's got an offensive coordinator now. So Gabe Darman really, he really hones in on this and says next year, if there's any trouble with the offense, who are the fans going to blame? Are they going to blame the new OC? Or are they going to blame the head coach? Who's to blame here? So... There's a lot of questions, but Drinkwitz can finally say, hey, I have an offensive coordinator. Let's talk about having an offensive coordinator for the Missouri Tigers football team. Look at that. Look at that transition. That was kind of, you think I get very paid smooth, to do this. Very smooth. Um, I'm interested by this hire. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not coming out here. I'm not saying this is a home run hire. This is the best thing that Missouri football could have done. I think it's good. I think it's good. I don't think that there's anything bad with it. I don't think Missouri football got worse by hiring Kirby Moore, if that makes sense. Um, but I do think it's very interesting 
to to look at it from this way. Uh, Drinkwood seemed to be very relieved <laughs> that he has somebody to to kind of take those duties off of him. Uh, Kirby Moore had some there's some really good numbers. I believe uh, Gerard Hamilton wrote that story um, uh, that has the numbers from his offensive season in there with the uh, in, in the Mountain West with Fresno State, who was a conference champion, by the way. They led the they led that conference with in all offensive categories, essentially. Um, so they had a good offense. Uh, no shocking that he does get a step up to the next level. Um, if you're thinking, hey, more that last name sounds a little bit familiar, yeah, he's he's his brother. He's a uh, Kellen Moore's <laughs> brother. Um, so there is some history there. Maybe the maybe they get to you know, get to compare notes a little bit, share notes, get some Kellen Moore offense into some influence into this uh, into this offense. Which uh, Gabe, I'm curious to your first reactions to 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 the hire and everything like that. Well, I think the the big thing really is uh, whoever he hires to do it. Cool. I I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> not qualified to say whether. Kirby Moore is better than the guy at Western Michigan or Penn State or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to to how much talent you have and all that. But I, I think the big question is, you know, I, I think a lot of people think now, oh, well, offensive coordinator, cool. Drinkwitz is just out on the offense. He's just the CEO and Kirby Moore has carte blanche with the offense. I mean, he's still going to be in the game planning. He's still going to be working with the offense more than the defense or the special teams probably at practices. He's still, you know, the way Gary Pinkle always described it was, hey, I'm on the headset. Every play call goes through me. It's it's my, like, I decide if we go on fourth down. And if they call down a play on fourth and three that I don't like, I've got the, I've got the ability to say no, because I'm the head coach. Right. And so that's still, I, I mean, this, and last year was not a dictatorship. Last year wasn't Eli Drinkwood saying, this is what we're doing. Shut up. Don't talk to me. I, I mean, that, there's a reason you have 872 coaches, right? <laughs> um, that's that's how it works. So I'll be interested to see how much changes, how much of this is Kirby Moore coming in and saying, bringing new stuff, and how much is just, okay, this is what you guys have already done. I've got a little bit of different name for it. I want to add this twist. You know, it, it, I don't think it's going to – like, I don't think – random Missouri fan that doesn't know they just hired Kirby Moore will watch the offense next year and go, oh, well, this is way different. You know, I I, I just don't think that. It's still going to come down to identifying what your guys do best and then having them manage to block, throw, and catch well enough to execute that. I think a big thing will be recruiting. It's still going to be – this gives Drink a little bit more time to focus – on recruiting since now recruiting is a year round thing it doesn't stop ever so it'll be it'll be interesting to see kind of what um kirby can do with you know these guys coming in specifically sam horn um because he is going to be in charge of quarterbacks which i think is a pretty common thing um for offensive coordinators anyways but it'll be it'll be very interesting to see just i mean he's not an old coach he's young um maybe fresh ideas i don't know i'm excited about it we've been talking about it everywhere for six months i mean i think probably since the first game of the season against louisiana tech we were like i don't know we might need to get an offensive coordinator in here so i'm excited just to kind of see what he brings to the table well and the the interesting part of it to me is what it does as far as i mean look if your offense is bad again next year like i I don't know you tried every solution and none of it's worked (laughs) You yeah. know, so I, I, so does this, 
shorten the leash on Drinkwitz? Does it lengthen it? You know, w- w- like I'll be interested to see if we're through six games next year, Missouri's, I don't know, three and three, and the offense is 12th in the SEC. Is the heat going to be on Drinkwitz or is it going to be, well, Kirby Moore's an idiot, you know, because the offensive coordinator is always the least popular guy on every single, you know, every single team at every level of high school football. We'll just call the touchdown play. Like, why don't we call the touchdown play more? We'd be way better. You know, so I'll be interested to see. And hopefully we don't find out. Hopefully they're real good on offense and everything's great. I, I just will be interested to see the reaction if it gets off to a little bit of a bumpy start and, and where that kind of frustration. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Well, some other big news in the coaching department. It was announced that Eric Bieniemy has been interviewed for the Colts head coaching position. And on KC Laboratory this week, the guys sit down and talk about that. Matt Craig and Kent sit down and talk about Eric Bieniemy head coaching. And okay, let's say he does get a head coaching position. Who now feels that role for the Chiefs? I think it might, it could be Matt Nagy. He's the quarterback coach right now. Came back to be with Andy Reid. And I think that just makes sense to kind of plug Maggie back into the OC spot. But that's if and when Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching position. Now, it could be that he gets this Colts position. We don't really know. We won't know for a bit. But the guys sit down and talk about head coaching and Eric Bieniemy as a coach and why he deserves a head coaching position. Big news. Bow, 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 bow. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Uh, Jim Ursay has just tweeted out that uh, he has just completed his interview with Eric Bieniemy. Eric <laughs> Bieniemy has interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts job. 
Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that he is getting this opportunity, Matthew. I, I kind of wondered if that was going to be the end of his chances of interviewing, but uh, 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 Chris Ballard in, in the uh, in the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, have given Eric Bieniemy an interview today. So there, there's a lot to unpack here from Jim Irsay announcing it on Twitter by just essentially saying, we have completed our interview with Eric Bieniemy and then the flex emoji. So what what a way to announce just straight from Ursay himself <laughs> as a tweet with emojis. That was amazing. <laughs> but then also um Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for the the Colts in the NFL for the athletic, also tweeted out the Colts have been digging in to Eric Bienemy the last few days, and then they had completed the interview with him per Jim Ursay. So they've apparently been doing a little bit of legwork the past couple days. They were able to keep it under wraps here for a little bit. Now it's pop because Ursay just wanted to tell the world via a tweet. And, you know, I, I don't know if Ursay does stuff on purpose or not. I don't know what yes. his process is. <laughs> but it's just it's interesting the way it was announced to me. Yeah, I, and just to put it in reference with the rest of the coaches that the Colts have been looking at here, they, they've been seeking permission to interview Shane Steichen, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn, Raheem Morris. They did interview Bubba Ventrone. They did interview uh, Ezero Evero. And reportedly, you know, now Eric Bieniemy is one of those. Jeff Saturday certainly has gotten an interview as well, kind of as the interim head coach there. So they are in on some of these players, you know, some of these coaches that are hotter names. But when you look at that, I mean, really, Shane Steichen's the only guy that I think you look through that list and you're like, man, that you know that guy's been on more you know hot head coaching lists than a guy like Eric Bieniemy. So uh, it could be that they're looking for kind of that tier. Obviously, not going after you know, Sean Payton or anything like that, but could be looking at that tier. Maybe this is the spot that Eric Bieniemy finally gets himself a shot to coach an NFL team. Well, we will see if this is the landing spot for Eric Bieniemy. I know he loves also being a chief and coaching for the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs fans are kind of ready to see him get a head coaching position. You know, he deserves it. He's been with the team long enough and he deserves a shot. So we'll see if that happens for Bieniemy. But turning the tables over to college basketball on 3MA this week, John, D.Y. and Cole sit down and talk about Kansas State basketball. They're ranked number 11 right now, and they've had some pretty big win the past couple days. And they play TCU today, Saturday. So it's an exciting time in Wildcat basketball. And John says this is maybe the most exciting time for him to be a basketball fan for K-State in a long time. The last time I had as much fun watching K-State basketball for a week, I mean, I, I don't the, the Kentucky game was amazing, and that that is honestly about the last time I can remember being on like this this sort of like high uh, for K State basketball. Like I, I guess the the game against Oklahoma where they won the Big Twelve with, yeah. with Dean and Barry and company is is close, but I the the Kentucky high because it was the tournament and all that was even more. And it's just the unexpected nature of this this week, the fact that you have Noel and Keontae playing the way they are, the style that you're playing too, like it's just so fun. It feels like an NBA game. Um, I mean, it's just all of that. I, I, it has been a long, long time, boys, since I have had that much fun watching K-State basketball. Probably a little bit of prisoner of the moment. I, this is up there. Don't get me wrong. But a, a singular game, I think it's the Kentucky game that you referenced because that not only did you beat 
Kentucky, but you're going to the Elite Eight after that win as well. So, And you're knocking on the door of the Final Four, and I think you already knew that your opponent would be Loyola at that point, if I remember correctly. So you think you have a, a legitimate chance to make the Final Four for the first time would have been since the 60s, I believe. So singular game, Kentucky. I remember there was a stretch in a, of the 2018-2019 season where I think Kansas State won on a 10 or 11 game winning streak in the Big 12. They beat every single team like right in a row um, without a loss. So I think in terms of stretches, I think uh, even more so than the win against Oklahoma, they clinched a share of the Big 12 that year. I think it was that stretch where I believe they won, like they beat every single team in a row um, during that Big 12 schedule. So that one would would come to mind for me. And I mean, that included wins at Baylor, at Texas as well that year. Now, the style of basketball was not nearly as fun. I get that, but I mean, Barry Brown and Dean Wade were in their bag in, in that during that you know stretch where they literally defeated every single Big Twelve team in a row. Yeah, I think it just feels different, right? Because it's Jerome Tang and a new coaching staff, and what they're doing is just truly remarkable. Um, you know, K State right now is tied for second in the country in winning percentage um, with KU and Purdue, the second highest winning percentage in America currently, with a fourteen and one record, and. You know, just getting off to the start that they have, when you looked at the Big 12 schedule, seeing you had road games at Texas and at Baylor back-to-back, I mean, I, I would have considered it a miracle going into the season that you split that and then to actually sweep it. And what makes it even more incredible is Baylor was desperate. I mean, when I watched Baylor lose that game to TCU earlier in the week, I was thinking, well, that's that's not good for K-State because I expect Baylor to come into this game completely motivated, locked in, not wanting to go 0-3 to start Big 12 play on their home court. The emotions of Jerome Tang going back to Waco, I decided it'd be too much for K-State. Uh, and to come out the way they did and to, to win the way they did was was tremendous. And, and guys, I think one of the most impressive things for me is just the, the mental fortitude and toughness this team showed in – two games, two of their last three games, the way that they went to overtime. K-State had both those games won in regulation and back-breaking threes went in for West Virginia and Baylor. And to bounce back in both of those and make plays in overtime, it's so tough to do. You're you know, the underdog, especially in Waco, and all the momentum is with Baylor. And to be able to respond and make plays, I mean, it felt like it was getting away in overtime. Baylor was up three. They had the ball, I think, with a chance to go up two scores. And then Marquise Noel just makes such a heady play that you see in the NBA all the time where the defender had his arm out and he went up and drew the foul on the three and got the game tied. And obviously, Ish Masood made a, a huge shot on a great play design and uh, very happy that, that Ish had that moment because he's certainly been a guy that's that's faced some criticism and he had a great game and has actually made very impactful plays in two of K-State's wins in Big 12 play. Well, the Wildcats do have some very important players on their team. The Casey Currents just added a very important personnel to their ownership. Patrick Mahomes bought stake in the Casey Current. To join his wife, Brittany Mahomes, former, formerly Brittany Matthews, and the Longs in ownership of the Casey Current. Now, Patrick Mahomes owns a lot. He owns parts of the Royals. He owns parts of Casey Current now, Whataburgers. He, there's a lot. He's a businessman. But this just really shows that if he wasn't part of 
Brittany buying in, then Brittany must have done it on her own. Good for you, girl. That's awesome. So how important is Mahomes buying into Casey Current? Well, on no other pod, Daniel and Chris sit down to talk about that and really Pat's just ready to do whatever Casey Current needs to get the right people here. Whatever they need, whatever the team needs, he's there, he can help. And that's just the type of player Mahomes is on the field, but also just the type of person he is. Maybe sporting will make the playoffs again and then flounder out, you know. But now it's like expectations are high, bro. And then, oh, well, hold on. Let's, we, already, we, we only have one Mahomes on the ownership. We need a second one. Let's bring Patrick freaking Mahomes, not just as like, here's some extra money. I'm, I'm funding a situation. Let's bring him in as a fourth co-owner with the Longs and Brittany Mahomes. So it's now Mahomes Long Enterprises, and I'm here <laughs> for it, dude. At, at what point do you like pinch yourself? And if, you know, if you're a Kansas City sports Brian. fan, like if you're a Kansas City sports fan, does it get any better than where the teams collectively are right now, bro? Can it get any better? Aside from winning championships, can it get any better? No, it's messed up, dude. We're so cherish, spoiled. Cherish this moment. This is the spoiled situation. You need to take this in right now, and you don't take this for granted because this shit does not happen. People say Kansas City ain't shit. Look at their airport. It's crap. It's flyover country. Uh, there is nothing but cows. You know, all sorts of shit, dude. And then we get Brazilian superstar Devinha, and, and Mahomes is buying into the team. Like, it's absolutely insane. Also, there were like some facts coming down. Like everyone's like, uh, well, I assumed Mahomes was already part of it. You know, with his money. Well, it turns out Brittany Mahomes actually, uh, she was Brittany Matthews when the team started. So she actually bought in with Brittany Matthews' money, not Brittany Mahomes' money. You know what I mean? It wasn't a joint thing. So this is this is separate shit, dude. This is separate. I'm I'm so excited. You know, the Longs and Brittany, prior to, to Patrick coming in, you know, they wanted to go all in. Like they weren't just kind of half-assing this ownership, this this team development, whatever you want to call it. They weren't half-assing it. And then you bring in Patrick, who during the Ronaldo situation is just like, just let me know what you need. I'll make it happen. What you the know, hell? what kind of how lucky are we that we now have Patrick is, is an owner who can invest capital, invest, you know, his name, uh, you know, who only wants to make great things happen for this team. And he's not going to sit on his hands. Whatever the team needs, he will do. Well, that's just the type of person that Mahomes is both on the field with the Chiefs and off the field with ownership and also his charity. He just won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which means he got $25,000 donated to his charity, 15 in the Mahomies. So cool seeing the face of the Chiefs just give back to his community. But he also has some time to just step back this week because it is a bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs. They got the one seed. And because of the Bengals and the Bills game being canceled, there's some shakeup because there's not going to be a true home game for the AFC championship. So on outside the trenches, BJ, Nick and Tucker sit down to talk about what does the neutral site look like? Where will that be? Where could that be? And logistically, how does that make sense? The NFL released their playoff scenarios last week. We talked a lot about the playoff scenarios. They are the neutral site AFC championship game 
still in play, so it was not all for naught with the NFL going and, and trying to decide uh, what to do there. But the big problem is, is they don't have a location named yet for a neutral site playoff game. Now, this neutral site only applies to if the Chiefs play the Bills. I don't think, could, could correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it applies if they play the Bengals. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so it's only if they play the Bills, which is, I mean, I know there's some Chiefs fans upset about that. Shouldn't be. They got the number one seed. Um, I want to know what your guys' ideal neutral site location is for a Chiefs-Bills AFC championship game anywhere in the country. BJ, I think I know your answer. I mean, you just gave me a layup. Like, you just just underhanded it right in the sweet spot. Uh, Las Vegas? Dude, Las Vegas, because we are already going to be there for the East-West Shrine Bowl. We're going out there every year. Last year, we were out there at the Chiefs bar, out there having some of the, I think it was called, I don't remember what the bar was called, Tucker, but it was Blue Diamond Saloon. Blue Diamond Saloon. It had Naked Pizza, was the pizza company inside of it, that the pizza was fire. Very, very good uh, pizza, which uh, was great to eat after just a complete heartbreak. Uh, awful experience overall watching the game there because of how it went down. Uh, but yeah, I would absolutely choose Las Vegas because we'll be out there. We get tickets, go to the game, do post game, hang out with Chiefs fans. Like they've got all the kind, they uh, all the hotels logistics are already set up. They're going to have game day staff because they're putting the Shrine Bowl game out there. So a lot of those smaller issues that uh, other stadiums uh, might not be able to solve some of those issues. I think Las Vegas could solve them. So there's a lot of places that make sense. Las Vegas would be one of those places that uh, I think makes sense, and I think it would be phenomenal. We just saw the Chiefs play really well out there, and Grass I Field. Want it to be out there, yeah, Grass Field. The big thing for me is hotels. Nick, you've been there uh, and traveled with these teams. The amount of hotel rooms that it takes for two NFL teams to go to a new city at this point. I don't know how many hotels there are in major cities that have NFL teams that could have a couple hundred vacant rooms that understand how to take care of an NFL team when they get there. No, I mean, any city is going to have it because remember uh, every, the home team and the away team both stay out the night before a game anyways. So yeah. any team with the stadium will, will have, you know, the facilities and the banquet see, and stuff like that. And but so they book those hotels out like the second the schedule comes out, that's where the yeah. schedule leaks come from. When you wonder like, how is some of the schedule coming out? It's coming from the managers of the hotels that's that are so getting true. contacted by the operations people for the NFL. And then their buddies are like, Hey, hotel, like manager, are you getting a call? Like, yeah, this team just called like, okay, well they're playing that day or whatever. And that's how the schedule starts to get released. Well, thankfully the chiefs do not have to worry about all of those logistics right now because they are sitting back in a bye week. And on 101, Jeff and Mike DeVito talk about the bye week and how important this is to the Kansas City Chiefs to get healthy, to refocus. And we all know Andy Reid's record after coming off a bye week is incredible. It's mind-blowing how good he is after a bye week. But Mike DeVito, he asked, what is what is it really like? Whenever he played, there was no bye week. There was no bye week for postseason. Everyone just went into it. And Jeff Allen really explains how important this is for the Chiefs and not only for the team, but for injuries to get better, to refocus, and to just have some time to just kind of calm down, collect yourself, and then prepare mentally and physically going into playoffs. Uh, talk to me about the bye week. So in 2018, yeah. so all the playoffs that I went through, we had to play wildcard weekend. And so we'll talk about that next week when we get into 
what it's like to start off in the playoffs and what that feels like and uh, how the atmosphere changes. We'll talk about that next week. But talk to me about the bye week because this was something I never got to experience. And on all the teams that I played with that did make the playoffs, where we ended up making the playoffs but not winning, obviously not winning the Super Bowl, uh, not even making it to the Super Bowl, one of the keys was, listen, we have to get the bye week. Yes. Like whatever we do next year, we have to finish so that we have the bye week. So talk to me about it, brother. You you that, had one 2018. That, what that what is, is it like? That's a huge advantage. I think um, more so than the bye week in the season. You're at the very end of the year. And especially now, there's only one team on, on each side that gets the bye. Hmm. So you're, you're going to be well rested. You're still going to get work in. You're going to be practicing during the week. Not very strenuous practice, but you're going to be out there moving around, keeping your body in some type of shape. But the, the real advantage is, is the coaches are going to be able to get ahead. So they're going to game plan for every potential matchup. Right. And they're yeah. going to find wrinkles for every single team. And then when they finally get that final opponent, they're going to already have a day in which they could focus on that opponent before that other team could focus on you. Right. So they're going to be way ahead. There are going to be some things they're going to be able to do that other teams can't do because of that bye week. And like right. I said, the other, the other important aspect is the health of the team. There's right. some guys banged up on every team in the league. Um, with you being the only team with the bye, that's a huge advantage. Huge. Huge, huge. advantage, um, especially um, with some of our key players being banged up. Like I said, McCole Hardman has been banged up. He's, he came off our IR, but he's still not full health. Um, hmm. Darius Tony, he played. He looked very good, but you know, a hamstring is always good to get get rest. <laughs> always speed, good, guys. Yeah, so it's great to see that. I mean, Chris Jones has been absolutely dominant, right? But I know he's hurting right now. Like, yeah, he's a big physical dude. So for him to get this bye week along with the offensive line and other D linemen, um, you got Frank Clark dealing with a groin issue. Um, right. He might not have been able to play if we didn't have the bye. Um, hopefully, he's able to play with this bye. So it's a huge advantage, man. Well, while there isn't a game this week for the Kansas City Chiefs, there is still plenty going on in the world of sports in Kansas City. We still have college football moves being made. We have transfers. We have commits. We have coaches, hires, fires, et cetera. And we are in full swing for college basketball games almost every day. So tune in to Kansas City Sports Network and we will talk all about it. But we will have a live show Sunday night to talk about the Chiefs' next opponent in the playoffs. And that will be right here on KC Sports Network. But this has been the best of everything presented by Charlie Hustle. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.